conclusion of the message right there. I am redeemed. Salvation is extended to all. To all has the right to receive salvation. I'm not the same person I was because I have been redeemed. I don't care what you have done in your life. You can be redeemed. You can be saved. You can be changed from the inside out through the blood of Jesus. And he offers that to all of us today. Whoever you are, however bad you have been, however good you are, the Bible says you can't be good enough. You can't be good enough to get to heaven on your own. No matter what you have done, the gospel is for all of us. I pray that you have been redeemed today. I pray you have been changed from the inside out. I pray you are not the same person you were before you were redeemed. What a mighty God we serve. What a loving Savior who did what he did on the cross. And three days later, bang, out of that tomb he came. We serve a risen Savior, do we not? Jim French, lead us, please, before we get going, before I keep preaching. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Uh, we're going to continue our series that we were looking at. We had a timeout last week on Father's Day. We took a timeout, but we're getting back to uh, the series that kind of entitled, What Does the Bible Say About? And we've looked at uh, quite a few issues there. We're going to look at another one today, one that uh, uh, we read about and it shouts in the newspapers and we see it all the time. And how are we going to react to it? And the, and, and the message is, what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Uh, a topic that I am shocked that we're preaching about. I never would have thought five years into this, I'd be preaching a message about this. But I believe we need to hear a message because it's God's word and it's God's truth. And I want every one of us to know what God's word says about that topic. We live in a tough time, don't we? We live in a tough time where, where the world tells us that uh, uh, there is no absolute truth, that truth is what you want to make it, that uh, you can make up your own truth and you'll be happy with your own truth. Uh, if you don't like my truth, you can have your own truth and everything will be good. And that's the world that we are living in, is it not? Uh, things that we have thought were wrong or taboo or or should not even be spoken out in public 
Today we know that it is flaunted. These things are flaunted out. They are, are encouraging us to accept them and to think that they are normal and that uh, if, if we oppose that idea, then we are shouted down, we are oppressed, we are silenced, and we see that all the time, do we not? That conservative Christian values are being silenced in our world today. The radio is being silenced. I mean, even when I started this, this sermon, uh, series message, uh, my thought was, I'm not sure this will stay on the air when we record it and send it out. That's the world that we live in, and thank God they have not been censored. We haven't got the, the black flag yet of, of not being able to do this. So uh, I believe God is, is protecting these messages and protecting us and, and letting the world go out. And hopefully people are, are hearing and understanding and being encouraged and being encouraged more than anything about how good God is. Today I want to uh, look at that topic what does the Bible say about homosexuality? Genesis 1, 26 and 27 gives us, I believe, the opening statement. <laughs> it is the, uh, it's on the first page of your Bible even. I mean, it didn't take long for God to speak about, about this issue. Genesis 1, 26 and 27, it is God's original Design for humanity. And he speaks so clearly about it. His original design that he has for all of us. And we see in those verses, and I want to read those verses, because there's a, two things in there that, that speaks to this issue that we're going to talk about today. And in verse 26, it says this. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. That image being God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. According to our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 27. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created male and female. He created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the animals. God's original design was there is male and there is female. There are two genders. There's not 53 genders. There's not 108 genders there's not all these kind of crazy names that they had out there. But God's original design said, I am creating man and I am creating woman. And I'm going to give them a task to do. And that task is to multiply and fill the earth with other human beings. We know the homosexuality community cannot do that. God said, this is what I want man and woman to do to multiply and to fill the earth. That kind of shoots holes into the idea of homosexuality and transgenderism, what we hear about today. God is very specific in what he says right there. I believe that is the definitive answer to those issues that the world says are not right. You know, the Bible and the Old Testament and the New Testament are very consistent, very consistent on this subject. 
when God gave Moses the law in Leviticus, specifically in Leviticus 20, 13, it says this that he gave to Moses. He says, if there is a man who lies with a male and those who lie with a woman, both of them have committed a detestable act and they shall be put to death. Their blood guiltness is upon them. Boy, that's kind of kind of tough, isn't it? That's kind of tough. You see, the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament in this area and a lot of other areas is that in the Old Testament, yeah, there was judgment coming, immediate judgment. But in the New Testament, we have a new covenant. We have a new sheriff in town, if you would, and that sheriff is Jesus, you see. And in the New Testament, when we see this idea of homosexuality, the New Testament will say, let me tell you something, there is hope for you. There is restoration for you. There is forgiveness for you. If you are caught in that trap of that kind of sin, there is hope, there is restoration, there is forgiveness, there is cleansing through the blood of Jesus Christ. You've got to understand the gospel is for everybody. Everybody. It is powerful. It changes lives. It changes the hearts of man. The only thing that can change a wayward heart, a sinful heart, a heart that is defying and rejecting holy God is a heart that has been changed from Jesus Christ. There is no other way. God's standard, you would say, did not change with Jesus. His standard of holiness didn't change with Jesus. God never changes, the Bible says. The Bible tells us in Malachi 3.6, he said, I am God and I do not change. But maybe his judgment changes a little bit. Because in the Old Testament, yes, in the New Testament, there is hope. What was immoral in the Old Testament is still immoral in the New Testament. And the Bible speaks to that. I want to give you some verses here about what the new t- in the New Testament, what God's Word says about homosexuality. He says in verses of Romans 1 through 25, he says, It is a shameful lust. In Romans 1, 27, it is abandonment of natural relationships. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 says it is wrongdoings. Jude 1, 7, or just Jude 7, however you want to say it, describes it as sexual immorality and perversion. Romans 1, 27, it says carries a death penalty. 1 Timothy 1.10 said it is contrary to sound doctrine. 1 Corinthians 6.7 is listed among the sins that will keep people out of the kingdom of heaven. The New Testament is consistent with the Old Testament. I think the definitive answer on, on this area is in Romans one. Romans 1 speaks to this. Romans 1, 26 and 27 is probably the strongest statement there is. And it says this. For this reason, God gave them over to degrading passions. 
gave them over. For their women exchanged the natural function for that which is unnatural. And in the same way also the men abandoned the natural function of the woman and burned in their desire towards one another, men with men committing indecent acts and receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. We see the very first part of that verse where it says God gave them over. And he's talking about homosexuals. He is talking about many other sinful kinds of people that want to live in that lifestyle. God gave them over. And what's he talking about when he says that? He says, when you shake your fist at God and you say, I defy you, God. I defy what your word says. I reject what your word says. I want nothing to do with you, God. When you do that enough and you continue to do that enough, God being the gentleman that he is, he will allow you to continue on to that perversion if that's what you want to do. And in a sense, that in itself is judgment. You cannot shake your fist at God and say no to him without without God responding in some way. That verse is about homosexuality. It's about any sin that you want to commit where you say, God, forget you. I'm going to do it my way. Homosexuality is a sin because it defies and rejects God's standard for living. It rejects God's word for living. And because of that, it is sin. We read about Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19. And and that city, those two cities in that surrounding area, we know what God did because of the immorality there, because of their sinfulness there, because they had rejected God there. And you can go back and read it if you want to, but you know what happened. God rained fire and brimstone upon that area, upon those two towns destroyed and they have never been brought back up. Did you know that? They have never been brought up. God had a final judgment for them because of the sinfulness of that area. Jude 7 speaks about it also. Jude 7 says this, just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities around them, since they in the same way as these indulged in gross immorality, are exhibited as an example in undergoing the punishment of eternal fire. What's Jude 7 saying? He said, let me remind you of what eternal judgment will be like. The eternal fire where the, where the worm never dies. The heat of the fire of eternity. And he says, I want you to remember what happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. And you don't want that ever to happen again. All unbelievers, look at this. You see what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah, the fire and the brimstone. I want you to remember unbelievers. What happened there for the, for the unbeliever will happen later on in their judgment. Jude says, remember what's going on there. But there is a hope. There is a hope that that a person and people do not have to experience that judgment. And that comes through repentance 
of their sins and accepting Christ as their Lord and Savior. 1 Thessalonians also has bad news for those who are unbelievers. 2 Thessalonians 1.8 says this, Dealing out retribution for those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of God and from the glory of His power. Boy, those aren't very positive verses, are they? One more verse and we'll move on to maybe some an answer. <laughs> Revelation 21.8. I just got to give you what God's Word says. For the cowardly and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and immoral persons and sorcerers, idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Boy, that's hard stuff. And as, as I was thinking about those verses and, and the, the judgment of unbelievers, that those verses that I just read to you must not in your heart, you must not respond with an amen of those verses. You must respond with an, oh my. You see, as Christians, as Christians, we do not want anybody to suffer the punishment of eternal hell. We don't want anybody to experience the judgment that God is going to have put on the people who have rejected him. We must be, oh my, we don't want that. We want salvation to come to every one of them. We cannot sit in judgment of, of unbelievers. We cannot sit in judgment of those that are homosexual. We must say, oh my, you need the Savior because you do not want what's going to happen if you don't. Amen to those verses cannot be in the heart of a Christian. It must be, oh my. You know, if you listen to those verses and think about those verses, you would almost think that maybe God hates the homosexual. I mean, it, it, it's pretty hard when you speak of judgment. And, and maybe in your mind, maybe your mind would go there that maybe, maybe he just hates those folks that are going that way. There's a church in Kansas that their slogan for their church is God hates fags. That's their slogan. They protest. They protest other churches. They protest parades. They protest the gay bars. They protest uh, military funerals because their mind, in their mind, they say that, that God hates homosexuals because America has accepted homosexuals. And their motto is God hates fags. You see, that's just wrong. That's just anger and bitterness and revenge. You see, maybe their slogan should have been, God loves you and Jesus died for you. You see, in their minds, they think they're right. In their minds, their pastor says, this is right. Yes, homosexuality is a sin. But God does not hate the sinner. But he hates the sin. 
Our job is not to condemn and judge those. Our job is to love and to share the gospel with those who do not know it. Does he hate homosexuals? Proverbs 6 tells us, does he or not? In Proverbs 6, 16 through 19, it says there are six things which the Lord hates, yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. And let's see if homosexualities and homosexuals makes this list. You read there in verse 17, what does he, what does he hate? He hates haughty eyes. He hates a lying tongue. He hates hands that shed innocent blood. Verse 18 says, He hates a heart that devises wicked plans. He hates feet that run rapidly to evil. Verse 19, He hates a false witness who utters lies and one who spreads strife among brothers. I do not see homosexuals in that list. Those are seven things the Bible says God hates. Homosexual is not one of them. They were not singled out as being something that God hates. He hates the sin, but not the homosexuals, because he will tell you that sin is immoral and it's unnatural. And that sin pulls people away from the saving grace of Jesus. That's why he hates the sin and not the sinner. Homosexuality is a no greater sin than any other sin. And I, and I know what we think sometimes as humans. We're in our flesh and we see that going on and, and that maybe raises a little bit of a, a bigger red flag than maybe something else. Maybe we have a, an idea that maybe that, that is so bad and yet we consider the smaller sins, if you would, not to be quite as bad. I mean, I, I would even assume that maybe some of us would think maybe murder and lying and cheating and stealing maybe is not quite as bad as homosexuality. And yet the Bible says it is no greater than any of those sins. And those who are taking part of that need a Jesus to save them. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Another great verse that, that lists those kinds of things of people who will not inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Basic statement. And then, then the writer goes on to give some examples of the unrighteous. He says, neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, uh, effeminates, homosexuals, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, swindlers... None of those will inherit the kingdom of God. Because all that is sin. I think sometimes we think maybe homosexuality is the unpardonable sin. It's not. <laughs> it is not. It is sin just like every other sin. There's no rankings of high to low to sin. Every sin separates us from the love of God. Every sin separates us from the love of God. And we need a Savior to save us for that. 
God offers forgiveness, did you know? To all people. All people have the right to receive forgiveness. Whether or not you're stuck in greed or pride or stealing or adultery or fornication, the Bible tells us that Jesus is offered to all people no matter what. And the Bible tells us that when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, when we repent of our sins and Jesus comes into our lives to live and we are now focusing our hearts and minds on Him, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that those who are in Christ Jesus, guess what? They are a new creation. The old is past and the new has come. Is it possible for a homosexual person to receive Christ? And the answer is yes. And when he does, the old is gone and the new has come. And they have become a new creation. And only Jesus can do that in a person's life. They are not beyond the grasp and the love and the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness and the cleansing that Jesus offers. We must remove the hateful thoughts that we have for people that are homosexual. Because that has nothing to do with Christ. Someone trapped in homosexuality can become free through the saving power of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus wants to replace that lifestyle. That lifestyle. He wants to take that lifestyle... And he will take it upon himself and he'll give us his righteousness and change the hearts of man. Because you see, homosexuals, transgenders, binary, non-binary, whatever you want to call them, every one of them is important to God. Every one of them is important to God. Let me say it again. Every one of them is important to God. Because you see, they've been created in God's image. They've been created in God's image. Were they born that way? No. They were not born that way. Every man and every woman, when they are born, we are born with a sinful nature. And every man and every woman must decide, how am I going to deal with this sinful nature? Am I going to pursue that sinful nature? Am I going to go after that sin? Am I going to take that path in life or am I not? The homosexual has taken that path that takes them away from the Lord. But they weren't born that way. They chose that way. Because of a sinful nature. We all have the sinful nature, don't we? And the only way you can defeat that sinful nature in your life is to have Jesus Christ in your heart. You can't defeat it any other way. Well, Christian, what do we do? How are we to respond to this issue? How do do we respond? I mean, I, I don't know. Well, I think we respond like Christ would. And that's the answer, isn't it? We understand that all people are sinners in need of a Savior. Homosexual people are sinners in need of a Savior. Christians, we must know what we believe. We must know what the Bible teaches. And we must be uncompromising 
as we stand on his word. We must be uncompromising. We must stand strong. We must know what his word says. We believe it and we trust it no matter what. We must be people, I believe. God's word tells us we must humble ourselves. I believe we must pray. I believe we must seek his face. And I believe we as Christians must turn from our evil ways. Because the Bible says what? I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Christian friends, we have a responsibility. It is our responsibility to humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn away from evil. So that when we pray, he hears our cry and he can do great things in the lives of people who have walked away from the Lord. We must be men and women, mom and dads, grandmas and grandpas that teach our kids and our grandkids what the Bible says about this area. Don't leave it up to the church. Don't leave it up to the schools. Don't leave it up to their friends. Mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, it is your job to instruct those kiddos what the Bible says about this area. Because if you and I don't, if you and I don't, the world will tell you. That friend down the street will tell them what to believe. And I hate to say it, those teachers in those schools, some of them will tell them what to believe. You got to begin now praying for those kiddos. Praying hard for them because they're going to, they're living in a dark, dark world. Maybe we can handle it, but they can't. They will be so easily influenced by this old world. And unless you're praying for them, unless you're praying guidance and protection over them, it's going to be a hard time for them. You see, we cannot stand in judgment or condemnation because Christ didn't. He didn't judge. He didn't condemn. You think of all the examples that, of Jesus who loved. But I like what it says in Ephesians 4, 5. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. That's what Jesus did. The woman at the well. Did he condemn her? Did he judge her? Did he say, get out of my sight, you lowly woman? No, he didn't say that, did he? He said, I judge you not. I condemn you not. Go and live a life different than what you had. You see, what he did, he spoke truth in love. We as Christians need to speak truth in love. When we have a friend or a family member who is down that road, we speak truth in love. First Peter will tell us we are to speak truth in gentleness and reverence when we deal with those kinds of issues. The Bible says, I don't know what to say. The Bible tells you, Luke 12, 12, I'll give you the words to speak at that time that you need them. We speak love. We speak like Jesus spoke. The message that we as Christians are to have in this area is the same message that Christ had. But I want to let you know that there is hope for change. There is restoration for change. There is redemption for change. There is forgiveness at your fingertips if you want it. That's the message Jesus had for all the issues that 
that came into his life. And if we're going to be a believer and if we're going to do what Christ tells us to do, we are to respond just like him. Did Jesus agree with that? No. But he knew what they needed. Do you and I agree with that? No. But we know what they need. And that need is Jesus. One other verse, John 3, 17. Uh, You thought I was going to say 3, 16. (laughs) It's the next verse after. It's the next verse after John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then the next verse, the probably verse that nobody ever reads, says this. For God did not send his son into the world to judge the world but that the world would be saved through him. That's Jesus' message. That's our message. We sit in condemnation and judgment for the homosexual. We sit in sin. We don't do that, Christians. We speak truth in love. Jesus didn't condemn them. We are not to condemn them either. Jesus knew what they needed. We know what they need. And when we have that friend, that person that we know, we have that, that brother, that sister, that uncle, that aunt, we don't condemn. We don't judge. We tell them about Jesus, the only one that can change their lifestyle. As we begin our invitation time, I just would just ask you to maybe just 